This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on the last weekend of September 2019. The last week has been absolutely spectacular for me in terms of seeing shows. I got to see uh, three of them, in fact. Uh, Papa Roach with Shinedown and uh, Stick Around. Eric and Brent are my uh, guests uh, on this episode, so we'll have a chance to, uh, to listen to that. Also saw Rick Wakeman uh, on his The Grumpy Old Rockstar Tour. And I have to say, that might have been one of the best concerts I've seen this year just because it was incredibly funny. He does a song, gets to, steps out to the mic. He does a song on this piano, steps out to the mic, and does basically a comedy routine. You know, I go to the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal every year, and I have to say, Rick Wakeman was funnier than a lot of the comedians I had seen there recently. So, so an absolutely uh, hilarious show. Musically, obviously, at an other level, you know, he, he's doing these covers from David Bowie and Cat Stevens and, and the Beatles, and it's just spectacular. Speaking of comedians, I also got to see uh, Don Jameson from that metal show, or formerly from that metal show, opening up for Nashville Pussy in Montreal. And, of course, Nashville Pussy are touring on the strength of their 2018 Please to Eat You album. And uh, that was also very spectacular. Now, Don had an extra layer of challenge because this was in Montreal, mainly French crowd. And of course, you know, as a comedian, a lot of times jokes are nuanced. You have to have the double entendre, the double entendre. You have to understand sort of the layers and the references. So now he's playing to a, a francophone crowd that may or may not understand. And yet went over like gangbusters, uh, myself and... Uh, the Beat 92s, uh, Montreal's The Beat 92.5's uh, number one on-air personality, Jeremy White. We got to uh, introduce Don to uh, to the crowd, and um, yeah, that, that was fun. Now, of course, w when you stand on stage and that white light hits you, um, I have to say, at my age, I'm concerned because, uh, because I'm, I'm a little older. When I see that white light, I, I never know if it's a spotlight or if it's just my time to go up to heaven. So, so you know, uh, but there you go. Uh, we got to uh, see, look at that. I'm, I'm doing comedy now. This is now a comedy show. Uh, speaking of comedy shows, former WWF wrestler. In fact, was Jake the Snake Roberts ever part of the WWE? Or was he always part of it when it was WWF? I, I can't really remember the, uh, the timeline. Anyway, uh, Jake is uh, coming to Montreal on his uh, Dirty Habits tour. And I will have a chance to interview him. And I know what you're thinking. It's Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Why are we talking to a professional wrestler? Well, a couple of reasons. Reason number one is, of course, because rock music, in my opinion, revolutionized the product, revolutionized WWF at the time, uh, their association with Cyndi Lauper and eventually Alice Cooper and others. I think brought it to the forefront, brought it to that MTV generation. So we'll discuss that. And of course, Jake did a bunch of stuff with Alice Cooper. So we're we're going to talk about that um, association and and see where we go from there. All right, in fact, before I move on, let me just correct myself. I think I said Dirty Habits tour. No, the the Jake the Snake tour is called the Dirty 
Details Tour. The Dirty Details Tour. Uh, it starts October 4th in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana at the Black Circle. Moves all the way down to uh, October 28th in St. John's, uh, Newfoundland at the Rec Room. And of course, in between there, he's playing the Yuck Yucks. Isn't that a great place, the Yuck Yucks? He's playing the Yuck Yucks in Ottawa, Toronto, Oshawa, Burlington. And he will be in Montreal on the 18th at the Fufoon Electrique. But he will also be hitting Dayton, Columbus, Liberty, Cleveland, Parisburg at the Funny Bone, Chicago, Illinois, Rosemont at Zanies. So uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, Jake the Snake on the Dirty Details Tour. So let's get that, uh, let's get that straight. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, here's another favorite uh, topic of mine. It's um, the Internet. And I um, haven't ranted recently, though I could. In fact, let me give you a mini rant before I get to uh, my major rant uh, today. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about uh, publicists and we've been talking about people in the industry and how they drive you nuts. So here, here's, here's one that happened to me this week. Walking the dog, listening to music, thunder, by the way, and I get a call. Publicist on the phone says, hey, we've got a band coming to your town, uh, opening band. Would you like to uh, interview them? I went, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I'll interview them, not a problem. And they said, oh, can you get yourself into the show? And I was like, well, <laughs> if you want me to sort of interview them in person, you know, might want to toss in access to the show. Seems reasonable. And they said, well, okay, we're going to have to email the person who's handling the headliner and see if we can get you in. Okay. Seems reasonable. They email the person in charge of the headliner and the headliner person says, oh, no, no, no. I can't do it. It's Canada. We're going to have to email the person who's in charge of Canada. And it's just like, Really? Like, can't you, like, leave me out of the loop and just sort of figure it out and then get back to me when you say, hey, Mitch, we got you in? Like, it, it, it's, it's baffling that we have to go through this rigmarole of A goes to B, B goes to C, C goes to D. Now, mind you, the show is coming up. I still don't have any confirmation of anything going on, and it's just like... Anyway, and the funny thing is, is I've been talking to the lead singer of the band going... You know, he's saying, hey, man, are you coming out to the show? And I, and I start explaining what's going on. And he's like, really? Really? He goes, I can just let you. I go, no, no, no. Let's just let, let's just, let's let this play out because this is, this is you know. That, uh, anyway, it, it's ridiculous. Um, what else is ridiculous in this world? Oh, yes. Guns N' Roses uh, just played the uh, Louder Than Life Festival. And just before they started playing the Louder Than Life Festival, or just before they played the Louder Than Life on September 28th, my social media started getting bombarded with, Mitch LaFon has said that Izzy Stradlin will be there. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. And they're like, yeah, 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 you did. And then, and then I started getting the, the vitriol. Mitch LaFon is a liar. You can't trust Mitch LaFon. He said that he's going to be there and he's not. And I'm like, but I never said that. So somewhere, somehow, in a Guns N' Roses message board or something, they created this fantasy scenario that Mitch LaFon said that Izzy Stradlin was absolutely going to be at the Louder Than Life festival. And I didn't. 
I challenge right now anybody to find a tweet, or an Instagram, or a Facebook, any kind of social media posting where I absolutely 100% said Izzy Stradlin, former guitarist of Guns N' Roses, will be at the Louder Than Life Festival on September 28th, 2019. You can't, because I didn't. Never. But now I've got this social media maelstorm. Maelstrom? Maelstrom? I don't know. It's a big word. Uh, Where people are going, well, you can't trust his information. He said he was going to be there. He's not there. He's a liar. And I also, by the way, challenge you to find any any episode. So go back and listen to all of them and find one where I got on a mic and I said, Izzy Stradlin is going to be at the Louder Than Life Festival. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because I never said it. In fact, when I started seeing these social media posts, I was like, what the, what, what is this? And I had one person tag me, uh, I guess it was on Twitter, and said, I'm flying in from wherever it was, you know, Netherlands or Germany or whatever. I'm flying in, blah, 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 because Mitch Lafon said that Izzy Stradlin was going to be at the Louder Than Life Festival. He better not be wrong. And I'm like, well, it's nice of you to be flying in, but I never said Izzy Stradlin was going to be there. So it's amazing sometimes how when you start having a little bit of a public voice and, you know, listen, Eddie Trunk has a huge public voice. Chris Jericho has a huge public voice. I have a a somewhat, you know, I have a modicum of of a public voice. But when you start having this sort of public voice, people start putting words in your mouth and start misinterpreting you and start giving you intentions and start uh, uh, adding stuff to, to the discussion. They go, Mitch LaFon said, no. Mitch LaFon did not say. And I guess, you know, on the upside, doing what I do, I get to meet rock stars, I get to go to shows, I get to do this, and, you know, I get to hear music in advance before it's released officially. And so there's a lot of upside. But the downside is this nonsense. I mean, this complete and utter nonsense. You know, every so often in the KISS FAQ, which I don't read, um, but I have Google alerts to my name. So every so often a Google alert will say, blah, 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 Mitch LaFon, and then I follow the link and it says KISS FAQ. And I'm like, but I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I never, and it's like, oh, uh, and so I'm getting that on the KISS side. I'm getting that on the Guns and Roses side. Now, the one thing I'll say is that there is a passion for those bands, and so they get discussed passionately. And so sometimes when you're in the throes of passion, you know, reasonable, logical thinking sometimes gets thrown out the window. But anyway, I am throwing down the challenge. Find somewhere where I said that Izzy Stradlin was going to be at the Louder Than Life Festival on September 28th, 2019. And the answer is, I didn't, and you can't, and you won't. So all you uh, folks out there discussing it, well, keep discussing it if you want, but know that you are discussing a falsehood. You are discussing a non-event, because it didn't happen. So continue your discussion of the non-event and, uh, 
Same with the KISS FAQ. Now, the, the people who run the KISS FAQ, uh, Julian Gill and stuff, uh, terrific. Terrific people. But every so often, there'll be a topic that shows up, Mitch LaFond blah. And it's like, okay, but I didn't do the blah. So, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> you know, you know, troll. Uh, but it's okay. Listen, at the end of the day, I do interviews. I create content. I bring joy to people. Some, I guess, not all. Uh, certainly not the trolls, but I bring I bring joy. Um, my social media following is is quite good. You know, four million Twitter impressions a month on YouTube, two hundred thousand what they called watched minutes. But of course, there's nothing to watch on my videos. It's just the interviews, so it's I call it listened minutes. But two hundred thousand listened minutes per month. So you know what? I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, in fact, I've got two more shows coming up this week. Robert Berry and um, Dirty Honey, so eh, I'm fine. Uh, but it's just, it's just it's hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious what what goes on. Anyway, uh, I have rambled enough. Let us get over to our guest. Uh, it is Brent Smith and uh, Eric Bass of Shine Down. Got to speak to them before their show in Laval, Quebec, and uh, I will say this: I was given ten minutes with the band. And at around the nine or ten minute mark of the interview, publicist or whatever comes in. Actually, it wasn't a publicist. It was the head of security. And uh, the band were enjoying the interview, waved them off. At the 20 minute mark, the the guy from the record company came in. The band waved them off. And then um, somewhere like at the 22, 20, I just said, okay, you know, we're going to have to stop this because I, I will be banned from doing interviews ever again if we don't follow the rules. And the band was like, ah, but we could go on for another two hours because they were enjoying it. I was enjoying it. But I'm just going to run the tape as is. So you'll, you'll hear the door open and you'll hear the people walking in. And I'm just going to run it as is. I'm not going to edit it. You're just going to hear what was going on because I think the whole vibe of the interview was great. So you'll just hear, you'll just hear the entire, entire thing. And I think you'll enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I have to say uh, after that, uh, me and the guys, we exchanged uh, phone numbers and emails and texts, and we were, were, were keeping in touch. And uh, I'm telling you, I do not think I have met a nicer bunch of guys, an organization, because I'm also talking about the head of security and, and the tour manager, like the whole kit and caboodle. Terrific. And while they were playing and while they were getting prepared, I was on the other side of the dressing room areas with the Papa Roach people and their tour guy and their and the band. And they also couldn't have been nicer. So I will forever from this day forth support and talk about Papa Roach and Shine Down. Because when you're good guys and you treat people well, whether I'm media or not media, you deserve support, and I will support them. And in fact, you know what? There was a couple of friends of mine that weren't media that were there, and they treated them equally as nice. So it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, brown-nosing the journalist guy. It has to do with down-to-earth people who treat people like they want to be treated. And to uh, Eric and Brent, and I even got to see Zach uh, Myers back there. So to those guys, and I'm sure had I seen the rest of the band, and uh, you know, to those guys, uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. You are gold star 
can we say this? Human beings uh, of, of the greatest order. And so uh, without further ado, here are two people from a band that you, my listeners, should and must support forever. Here are Brent Smith and Eric Bass from Shinedown. Uh, we are backstage in Montreal with uh, Eric and Brent from, of course, Shinedown, the great new album, Attention, Attention, uh, a year old already, a little more than a year old, a year and a half, actually. Um, let me talk to you about this, doing a concept album, because as I talk to some of the older artists, the Kisses and the Aerosmith, they always say, well, the album as a concept itself is over, and we're into singles, and we're into EPs. Talk to me about, first of all, do you believe that the concept of an album is over? And then we'll talk about the concept album. We'll start with Brent. I think it's very individual-based in regards to whether you're in a band or whether you're a solo artist, male or female. You know, we looked at each other in 2017, and we just started writing songs, me and Eric. Uh, When the other gentleman came in, uh, Mr. Kirch, and Mr. Myers, they kind of had already let us kind of start, you know, getting after it. Um, and as we were in the studio with each other, the idea of doing not so, not necessarily a concept, but a story album started to unfold. I don't think that the uh, I don't think that the album, the idea of making an album, is dead. I think if you're looking at millennials or Generation Z, you know, you're a newer artist. They don't necessarily know if you know putting ten songs out for their particular brand is the right thing to do. Maybe it's better for them to put out you know a single at a time or, or what have you. That's just not what this was for us. Not to mention it's our sixth album. We just released our brand new video today for Attention Attention, which is the fourth single off yeah. of the record. Um, damn, man, we're just getting started. You're just getting started. Yeah. yeah. Do you agree, Eric, that that the album is still something that's worth? I mean, do 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 kids still want to sit down and listen to 40 minutes of music? It depends on the on the kid. You okay. know, I mean, it, it's uh, look. You know, we're we're in a market now that's driven by uh, like companies that can see how many times they can get a kid. You know, Pavlov's dog. How many times can you get this kid to click on the beginning of Old Town Road? You know, how many times is that kid going to listen to that? You know, our audience isn't uh, isn't built like that. I don't think. I think our audience is built to uh, to listen to an entire record all the way through. You know, uh, not that they don't like the songs, not that they don't. You know, look, it, 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 if you look at it from that perspective, it's always been a single driven market. I mean, I I bought uh, you know, <laughs> I bought uh, uh, the first fucking Poison record because I heard Talk Dirty to me on the radio. Me too, you know, anyway. you, know, you know what I mean. It's it, it, so so. You know, the, the singles have always served a purpose. It, it's just how much do you love a band, and how much do you love an artist to want to dig in to to what they have to offer. And um, you know, there are always going to be listeners who just prefer to, to you know the, the one and done, in and out. I heard the song yeah. on the radio and I like it. And then there are going to be people who dig into artists and you know um, adopt them. And uh, so I don't think that uh, you know, I don't think it goes one way or the other. And if nothing else, it's cyclical because if you look in the '50s and '60s, it was a single-driven market. Everybody had singles, nobody had albums. And then oh, here come the Beatles right. and the Rolling Stones and and uh, uh, Pink Floyd and and uh, Queen and Led Zeppelin, and they made great records and they made great albums. And then ushered in the age of the album um, that that was so dominant for so long. And uh, so. You know, there's no reason to abandon ship on that, especially as an artist. You know, I, I have no desire to just record a song every now and then just so I can continue to tour. Um, you know, we we we, uh, we don't write on tour anyway. 
So we, you know, we're not going to go away after touring for, <laughs> for, for, for two years and record one song just so we can get back out there and do it again. You know, it, it's, uh, yeah, there needs to be growth involved in it and, and not to be long winded about this, but we also come from a school of don't write three songs that you feel will be your singles. And then the rest of it doesn't need to be that good. Right. Fill it. We're just not into that, man. We've never been like that. We don't write the same records over and over again, and we try not to write the same song over and over again. The one thing about our fan base is that it's very generational, you know, sometimes upwards of three or four generations. We just played Atlantic City the other night, and this family held up a big, giant white sign that said, four generations of Shinedown fans tonight. So, yeah, so it's we're just kind of, we've never looked at, a song is like, well, we've got the bulk. This will do just to fill up the the space of the ten songs. We've never this, had that attitude on this record. Just having that 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 exact conversation, which is, you know, every single time we write a song, it is we're trying to write the best song we've ever written. You know, there is no like this is an okay song. Um, now you might get to the other side of it and go, this isn't the best thing you've ever done. But the intention from the from the time that we start is to write the best song we've ever written, and we'll write a lot of songs. So that when we go back to pick songs for a record, we can put together some really, really great songs. But I remember being, you know, a couple of a couple of songs away from this record, feeling like you had what you needed, and we're like, we need. I think I said we we need one more great song yeah. for this record, you know. And it's not like you, you know, we we already had, you know, and it's not even a single. That that particular song that we wrote that we thought was this great song isn't a, isn't and it is a great song in my opinion isn't, isn't a single. Um, but we just needed one more great song for the record, and and so that's how we approach it. Is is uh, you know there is no um, yeah that'll do. You know it's it's uh, it's swing for the fences every single time. Don't rest on your laurels. You know, yeah, really does. Now uh, on this album, I've seen in other interviews you've quoted uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. You've quoted Operation Mindcrime by Queensrÿche. One of the greatest albums ever. What is it about those albums that spoke the to you? Who, Tommy, <laughs> the Who and Tom. Yeah, you spoke about that yeah. that as well. And, and I was just pitched a Who interview, so I hope I get it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, talk to me about that. What, what was it about those ones that you sort of brought something to you where you said, "Okay, this is not just you know I was made for loving you and then talk dirty to me," and then yeah. th- there was a story I, behind it. Eric. Sonically, you know, I'm, I'm, we, we talk about this a lot. He's, he's drawn to lyrics first. I'm always drawn to music first. And somewhere we meet in the middle and create <laughs> together. And, and yeah. he appreciates the music and I appreciate the lyrics. And we help each other out with those things too. But I was just always a fan of, of an album where it sounded like every song had a purpose and every song belonged there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you go back to, to Dark Side of the Moon or Wish You Were Here or The Wall. You know, any of those, those Pink Floyd offerings, you know, you, you, you take one of those pieces away and it doesn't work. And if you listen to each one of those songs individually, you know it, it's it's an event and it's it's a it's a it's an experience. But uh, it's almost like once you start listening, you can't stop right. because you're wondering what's coming next. Right. And and mind crime is the same thing. And and you know Tommy is the same thing. It's, mind crime written about Montreal, by the way. Really? Yep. Did not know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I you know uh, so you know the the. Um, uh, I wanted to make something that uh, that had that feel. Like every song sounded like it had a purpose. Every song sounded like it was part of the pulse of a greater thing. Uh, and lyrically, 
it had already come together, you know, with, with that in the writing process. It was just in the production. So for me, that's what it was. It was like I love that about those records that that they are greater than the sum of their parts. You know, it's not just a song here, a song there, and then the rest of it's whatever it is. Let me ask you then about the producing of the record. You produced it yourself. Is there a, something to be said about having outside ears to having a Rick Rubin or a Mutt Lang or a Bob Ezrin or whoever, you know, Jay Rustin, whoever the new guys are? Is there something where if you're too close to it, you might miss something? Where Talk to me about having an outside producer. I'm going to let him answer that question, but I'm just going to make a point, though, before he, he yeah. answers it. He produced it. He also engineered it, and he mixed it. Why well, engineered it with... With, with co- Doug co- engineered it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it... That's, that was my first thing when, when we were talking about this is I've, I've always said that um, producing your own band is a mistake, that you need the outside opinion, you need the outside help of a producer. I'm a producer, you know, and, and, and I understand what I've, I've been able to bring to the table with some other acts and what other great producers have been able to bring to the table for us. Um, this was different. This was um, when, we, when we record demos, especially these days, they're practically finished album quality and they're ready to go um and we knew what we had we knew what we put together we knew that there was a lot of a lot to be done and a lot of reworking of certain songs and 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 and, you know some some guidance needed to be done but you know we're older now and we we uh we understand what the missteps can be you know if, if i were listening back to these demos for this record and going you know i don't know how this is all supposed to fit together then yeah you need a producer um i wasn't doing that i was listening to these songs going i know exactly what these songs need to sound like, what the songs want to be. Songs will talk to you. They'll let you know. You, know, you just have to be open to listening to them and, and listening to where they want to go. Um, so uh, that was never a concern for me on this record, and I was never really nervous about it. Um, you know, it, 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 I do think it's important, though, to answer your question. Yes, I, I mean, as a rule, bands need producers. Um, did this work out really well? Yes, this worked out really well. But I'm a producer, so um, it's, I understand the importance of, of seeing the vision through of us as artists, but not turning into a spaceship and flying away and leaving your fans, right. which is what can happen a lot of the time when, when a band produ- self-produces. Well, self-indulgent. Correct. So you have to remember, at least I did, I, have to, I, I thought about the fans the entire time we were making this show. A lot of this record was inspired by the fans. A, lot, a song like Brilliant. We, we toured with Iron Maiden in the UK and Europe for what, 40 dates. Which uh-huh. in itself is brilliant. Yeah. So, and, but just hearing the... Help us write a song. Yeah. But, but just hearing the, the, the chants and the, the, you know, them, them chanting the guitar solos back. I just remember that standing in the audience and listening to the fans sing the guitar solos back. I'm like, that is so inspiring. And I was like, I want to write something that's, that has that vibe and that feeling. I want to take you up on that because I was having a conversation with Leslie West just the other day. And he said to me that the most important thing in making a solo is that it has to be singable. Yeah, it's a melody, right? Do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's uh, even the great players that play at pentatonic blues licks. You know, your Jimmy Pages and your and and Steve Ray Vaughan's. You can sing every single note right. that they're playing. You know, you 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 uh, you, you can. Uh, I try to sing some. And believe and be- well, believe me. They, 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 look, I, and, and you can't paint everything with a broad stroke. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Vi fan, right? You can't sing every one of his guitar solos, but listen to something like "For the Love of God," right? The, you know, the, the, you can sing that. You know, that's a great yeah. melody. Um, so. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, but that's just how my brain works. I always want to have something that I can 
yeah, that's what excites me. Not 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 wanky guitar playing, you know, or anything like that. I like yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yes, absolutely. Sweet sweet child of mine, right? You know exactly what it is when I say that. Totally. So so yeah. So that so that was inspired by the fans. I mean, a lot of this stuff was, and and they were always on my mind the whole time I was making the record, and Brent was making the record, and Zach and Barry, we were, and it wasn't. And here's the thing: I don't use this as a bad term, fan service. It wasn't fan service. It was, you know. I was so excited that we were making something that we loved a lot that I knew the fans were going to like. You know, that, I think that was more what it was than anything, and I didn't want to lose sight of that. Yeah. Uh, the band has set out to make 10 videos of, or a video for every song. Uh, talk to me about that because, you know, as a fan and you hear something and it becomes personal, you have your own imagery, and then the video represents something different, and all of a sudden there can be a disconnect or you can get a different visual. Talk to me about the importance of making it and some of the, the trappings of making it as well, because it sort of slices both ways. I mean, I think it just it, it came back down to, once again, 2017, mm-hmm. being with Eric in Charleston, South Carolina, where his studio is. We realized the record from a sonic standpoint, an audio standpoint, during that time that we were writing all the songs, myself and Eric and Barry and Zach we started to talk about, you know, seeing it visually, but not, once again, kind of the same idea of like, okay, instead of like, make sure you got your three singles and the rest can just be filler. We've never done that. We've also never presented a visual record to the public in its entirety. Uh, The unique thing about it was, is that because we were still in the midst of writing some of the material um, and putting things together, um, that especially me and Eric started talking about, we should show people um, what it is, you know, and not look at it so much like a music video. Make it look like and make it come across as real cinema. Um, so uh, is it an easy thing to do? Uh, no. Is it a fulfilling thing to do? Uh, yes. But um, all the songs on Attention Attention, uh, the visual content has been filmed on everything. Um, we just released today the song Attention, Attention, because it's the fourth single, but obviously the uh, video accompanied it this, uh, this morning. Um, it's not like anything else I've ever seen, um, because we're kind of, not to borrow from Quentin Tarantino, but the way we've presented this, and it's why the universe is real, we're doing it out of order. Right. right now, and it's causing people to go, you know, what is yeah. going on? That's, I, I got I got three text messages today, one from my sister, and she goes, I'm trying to figure out this video. Will you please tell me what's going on? It looks amazing, but we're trying to figure out the story. And, and, and that's kind of the point is that back to the album thing, it's like you're going to have to watch the whole thing when it's yeah. ready, you know, to understand what's going on. You know, it's a, it's visually striking. You know, the video is, but it's it's if if you're not on the inside, I guess it can be a little. You know, it makes you wonder, like, what what is what? Why is why everybody this guy touches? Why do they fall to the ground? Does he does he jump off of a building at the end? Is he okay? Is everything? You know, that's part of it. You know, you're creating some mystique with that. And and Bill, uh, which Bill, we've lost, by the way. You know, in the yeah. '70s, when you had Kiss and you had some of these other bands, and there wasn't the internet, and they came around once every 12 months. You're like, oh, Aerosmith. And you didn't know yeah. their set list. I can go and look at your set list right now. And there's no, we've lost the mystique in well, rock. The interesting thing, too, like with Attention, Attention, I did an interview this morning and, and they just point blank asked me. I don't want to give too much away about the video because we want people to go watch it. Um, but there, it's for this particular video, for the amount of time for this song, uh, the end of the video or what you 
think is the end because it's not uh, is a little shocking. And what I basically said, and that's the first thing they asked me this morning was the was the the ending of the video. And I said, well, how do you know? Well, I basically just said this. I go, how do you know that person's real? (laughs) And they were like, "Uh, what do you mean? I'm like, what I just said, because there's a bigger story. Um, and our publicist will probably kill me because she keeps telling us to, to stop talking about this, but we have to talk about it. Um, this entire album, this is what we call the second act of this record, uh, will be released at theaters in 2020. So, um, that's going to be a lot of work to do that. Um, but the goal, once the audio was written was to really show it visually, um, once again, it's why the universe is is real. Like releasing it the way that we're releasing it right now is causing people to have to think and have to hunt and and have to wonder. And I love that because it makes people it makes them excited. It gives them something interesting to see that no other band that I know of right now is doing anything like this. It's fun. That's why we got into this in the first place too, is because we love to create things and we like to express ourselves, but it's also fun to watch the public kind of go like, well, I think it means this. And, Oh, wait a minute. I saw that dude from this video. Now he's here again. Oh, you know, I wait a minute. Where did she come from? She was in this. It's cool to watch. I, I think what else is cool too. And, 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 and I'm going to be very vague about this, but some of the people that you get involved with in the music business, trying to talk you out of it. Right. This is what are you doing? This is a, this is not a good idea. Why, why are you doing this? This is this is this is terrible. This is not a good idea. You shouldn't do this. That makes me want to do it even more. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and I'll have to say, as an older rock fan, like, when we talk about Mystique, there was a mysteriousness of what was going on. Now, in the, certainly the last fifteen years, everything is given right away. Here's what the songs mean. Here's what the video. Here's my single. And so there's nothing left for the fan to do. You're just like, oh, okay. And you just take it in. You go, okay. Yeah. And then you spit it and, out. And, and, you're, and, you're, and you're left feeling... Uh, uh, empty. Empty, right? And you're ready for the next thing. Yes. Maybe that's because what, you wanted to see the next Aerosmith or the next right. Kiss or the next Led Zeppelin. Now it's just like, okay, well, I've seen Shine Down. Okay, well, what's next? Okay, Papa Roach. Okay, good. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a shame. We've yeah. gotten rid of the anticipation. Yes. Well, but going back to something yeah. that was... Thank you. We're trying to just be and, I appreciate that. and really what we're doing but we can't really we can't do it on our own we wouldn't want to do it on our own the one thing about our fan base um whether they've been there from the beginning or they're people are you know that are just kind of figuring out who we are mm-hmm. um they allow us to be ourselves they've given us a platform to do that um and there's something inside of what we do that they um they recognize and they also understand uh the music business is called the music business for a reason. That's right. it's not the word business, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, to me and Eric and Zach and Barry, we do watch some of the older generation mm-hmm. of where you know they will downplay, and sometimes they'll be really disrespectful to like the youth, people that are anywhere between like fifteen to twenty-one mm-hmm. years of age, or even fifteen to like twenty-five. That's kind of the area right now because you have millennials and you have now Generation Z. So when we see certain bands or certain spokespeople, if you will, from those genres of music or what have you, kind of degrade the youth about CD sales or they don't know what the value of music is. It's not that. They didn't grow up with that, man. They don't know what a CD is because they didn't grow up with it. You know what I mean? So you can't, like, you can't, I've watched, like, dudes attack, like, 
teenagers for not buying music because it's like, dude. They never had to. They never had to. Right. But that's not their fault. You know what I mean? So you have to embrace that also. And I'll be honest with you, what sometimes people don't talk about is like, and I mean, granted, we see it on a daily basis because we're out here. But the youth that we see at our shows, they get excited about the fact that like when we tell them about vinyl or we tell them about like, you know, they'll say it like, what do you mean there's another way to experience music? I'm like, yeah, there is, you know, because there are kids, you know, and a younger generation that do want to see who mixed it, who recorded it, where was it recorded, who recorded it, you know, who played on it, you know, things like that. But the other side of that also is um, you also have to find what works for you. You know what I mean? The beautiful thing about art, whether it's a drawing or it's a, a story or it's a song, is that it still was born out of creativity. Yes. See, and I was having that discussion with an older band just yesterday, a band out of the UK called Thunder. They've been around since 89. And Dirty Love. Dirty Love. Know. Fucking great band. It's a great band. Great singer. Great Very singer. underrated singer. Well, that's who I was talking to. One minute. Uh, yeah, sorry. We're fine. Uh, I, I, was talking, I was talking to Danny Bowes yesterday, and I was saying, well, listen, on one side, we've lost the CD sales or the album sales, mm. but on the other side, you've gained creativity because you can do whatever the heck you want now. Yeah. And they, just, they just, like, headline download, like, a couple of years ago, like, or two or three. I can't remember what it was. Like, you see it, too. You're like, thunder. And you're like, what? Yeah. But they're huge, yeah. you know, and they talked about that even a few years ago. They were like, we have all these new fans just from Spotify. Yeah. You know, I saw him do an interview about that. And here's, here's the other thing, too, about new artists. You hear a lot of, of bands in our, in, hear a lot of bands in our, in our genre that, that, or, or in, you know, that play instruments, you know, bagging on, on pop artists or hip hop artists or, or, you know, the, the sort of the, the up and coming, you know, artists, you know, Post Malone's Billy, Billy Eilish or whatever, you know, I'm not a huge Billy Eilish fan, but it does cause me to look and go, well, what's she and her brother doing that I'm not doing? You know, like not, not creatively. Like there's something that they figured out. They, they, they tapped into something. Post Malone's the same way. Um, you know, I don't bag those people, man. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't wish them, I don't wish them ill will or anything. It's like, what can I learn from this? How can, how can I take, how can I take what I learned? Even, even sonically, like how can I take what, I, what, what they're doing and, and apply it? And so I feel creative and creatively viable, you know, and, and uh, that, that, that's really we – live, we live in a really exciting time for music, I think, you know. Well, I think all the times have been exciting, and I've always said I'm glad – I don't like Bjork, for example, but I'm glad she exists because then somebody else gets to enjoy it. And if it brings you enjoyment – well, then so be it. 100%, man. Uh, so be it. But, but, you know? But that, that can be, you know, the, 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 you, you, you might be enjoying Bjork, Bjork uh, you no, know, no, but, but no, 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 but you could be, no, time out, though, but you could be enjoying her vicariously through, through another artist that you love who is inspired by her, who has taken that thing that he took, he or she took from her music, yes. applied it to his music or her music, yes. and now you enjoy that. Well, That's my point. Is, but but is, I can just go with, with Billie Eilish. Yeah. My daughter loves Billie Eilish. Every time Billie Eilish, Mitch, you have to, dad, you have to. Yeah. And I just see that enjoyment, and that's good enough. Yeah. I don't even have to have her, you know, spawn another band that I'm. Just my daughter smiles. I go, yeah. that's it. We're good. Yep. And that's it. And that's what music is. Anyway, we are going to uh, stop because we are going to have. Uh... <laughs> we could talk for two more. Hours. We could. I could. Yeah. Thank you. But thank you for this, by the oh, way. Thank you for taking the time to to to, to rush out. Today, and man. and thank you for uh, last year. I got to uh, interview you, and it was great. Thank so. you so much for giving us the support. We appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Very much. 
You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. 